0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The BYU Cougars picked 11th in the preseason Big 12 poll. Is that too high? Is it too low? We're examining that and answering your questions on a mailbag Friday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up everybody, I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And a big thank you once again for your continued support of the podcast as always. Uh, Just a programming note, hopefully the intro music sounded a little clearer today. I've had some people say there's been some double audio on that front. Uh, I've been looking at it and it seems like I fix one thing another thing decides it wants to take off so hopefully I fix it once and for all let me know if not but appreciate your guys' patronage all the same let's dive right in on today's show though and talk about BYU picked 11th in their uh, Big 12 preseason poll that was released yesterday afternoon now this lines up pretty close with what I had in terms of my picks for BYU I had them slotted 11th in the poll that I submitted to the Big 12 conference Uh, if the votes are to be Uh, believed I was one of 67 voters that I cast a ballot for the big 12 preseason poll and Uh, Feeling pretty uh, cool about that with the opportunity to weigh in on that. I did pick Texas to win the conference. A lot of the the rankings came down the way that I expected them to. Went Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, TCU, Uh, Baylor, Oklahoma State, rounding out the top 10. Then UCF, fellow newcomer alongside BYU at 8th. Kansas, Iowa State, BYU 11. Houston at 12, Cincinnati 13. And West Virginia bringing up the rear. Now, Looking at that, I, I just kind of was examining how the votes kind of balanced out. It appears that the voters, yours truly included, essentially settled on there are three clear tiers if you believe the vote kind of distribution in the Big 12 Conference. Now, the top tier is going to go one through five, is the way it looks uh, in terms of the votes. Uh, Texas getting 886 uh, votes of the 41 first place votes they also received, Kansas State, 800, 858. Oklahoma 758, Texas Tech 729, then TCU 727. Those top five are considered to be the quote-unquote elite class in the Big 12 this year. Then it drops off by almost 150 uh, votes to go to Baylor at 6. Oklahoma State at 470, UCF 463, Kansas 461, Iowa State 334, and then BYU at 318 is the middle tier. If you will, and then it drops after that. Houston, two fifteen. Cincinnati, two o two. And West Virginia in dead last with one hundred and twenty nine votes. So uh, I think the BYU, yeah, the bottom end of that second tier is not necessarily an ideal spot to be. But at the same time, folks, let's also acknowledge this is a fantastic position for BYU to launch some surprise uh, opportunities in terms of playing upset or whatever you want to play spoiler that type of a deal for BYU this year in the Big Twelve. Is that ultimately going to pan out? That BYU is going to shock the world and go from 11th to one first? I, I don't think so. But at the same time, I had a conversation with a member of the BYU football program the other day, and this actually was before the poll came out. We were kind of going back and forth, and I was I was chuckling, like uh, I could see you guys being picked somewhere between 10 and 12 in the poll. Their response to me. Was I hope we're picked dead last. I hope we're picked 14th. That will give us a chip on our shoulder. We can go out and really show people what we're capable of. That's the mentality BYU's taking taken into the season, folks. And I actually, I'm here for it. I absolutely love that mentality. If that truly is representative of the rest of the BYU football program, and I don't have reason to think that it's not. Because I think that BYU believes that they have got a team that's capable of competing at a pretty high level. Are they probably amongst the conference's elite? Like, speaking of uh, Texas or an Oklahoma, or Kansas State? Probably not, but the opportunity still stands for you to go out there and quote-unquote spoil their season if you were to spring an upset. That's the big opportunity that stares BYU in the face here. I think being 11th in the Big 12 does not stop you from getting to 6-6 six and six in bowl eligibility, which I have stated time and time again, I said is my benchmark for success for BYU this year. Could BYU easily fall under that? Yes. Could they easily go over that if the ball bounces their way? Yes, they could also do that. But I think getting to bowl eligibility is absolutely the right mark to shoot for year one here in the Big 12, and anything beyond that is great. Anything below that will be slightly disappointing, but there's a whole lot of novelty here uh, with the Big 12. Uh, a lot of people think that UCF is going to be near a uh, middle table of the conference. And I, don't, I, I I get why they're saying that, but at the same time, UCF is proven at times to be a little bit of a paper tiger. So I have my questions there about how good UCF ultimately is going to be. Houston and Cincinnati's checking in right behind BYU. I'm not surprised. I actually had Cincinnati dead last in my poll. I know Cincinnati's got a number of talented athletes. I just think that Scott Satterfield has so much work cut out for him year one of his tenure as the Bearcats head coach to get things rolling once again. I'm not 100% convinced of what's going on there. Now, Neil Brown at West Virginia, his hot seat got even hotter, it feels like, to be picked dead last, and clearly in dead last. I think it was like something like 80 votes, something like that, separating 13 and 14. It was uh, 202 to 129, so it's like 70-plus vote uh, points in terms of the, the voting. Neil Brown very easily could find himself out of a job at midseason if they do not start the season well out there at West Virginia. BYU very easily could be going to West Virginia in early November, facing off against an interim coach. So there, there's a lot of intrigue with how this pans out. Is it exactly how things are going to pan out? Absolutely not. This is us projecting ahead, and especially projecting ahead for four members of the conference that have never played Power Five football before. Uh, I think the BYU one thing they have a leg up on of the likes of a Cincinnati, a UCF, or uh, or a. Uh, um, a Houston, is that yes, those other programs have played Power 5 opponents as members of the American Athletic Conference, but they have not played the same number of Power 5 opponents that BYU has played of late. BYU has played 5, 6, and 7 Power 5 opponents routinely throughout the majority of their uh, run as an independent football program, and it, I think that's going to benefit BYU. They're not going to be as shell-shocked, I don't think, as some might think they're going to be as they go up against the likes of a Kansas uh, in their first Big 12 game or welcoming in Oklahoma to Provo in that uh, home uh, the senior day festivities in late November. There is an opportunity on the table for BYU to go out there and state claim saying, "You know what? We've been ready for this for some time." That is the advantage you have as BYU and I I can wholeheartedly believe that being picked 11th is actually something that BYU is kind of looking at their chops and saying, "Okay, yeah that's a good spot to be. It, it, it gives you an opportunity to really sneak up maybe on some folks. So th- this is an advantageous spot for BYU to be in. I know that on paper being in the bottom tier of, of a conference is not necessarily the sexiest or the thing you want to see as a fan but also acknowledge the fact that this is a new era for BYU. There's a lot of things that BYU is going to have to overcome as they go into the Big 12 Conference here, but the opportunity still exists for BYU to go out there and show folks what they're capable of. And I think their their runs of success in recent years against Power 5 opponents are going to serve them well as they go against the best schedule they've ever played. They're going to play 10 Power 5 opponents this year, by far the most they've ever played in their football program in the history of the BYU football. Program, but at the same time, I think they've done absolutely everything under the sun within their power—the the the control your controllable scenario—to get themselves ready for this challenge and to be sitting in 11th. I think it's a in in many ways it's like a it's a sneaky spot to be checking in at, but. you can get overlooked at times in that spot as well. So it's advantageous for the Cougars. And I look forward to seeing what they can do. Uh, Very much looking forward, by the way, to getting down to Dallas and Arlington uh, coming up next week. I'll be flying down on Tuesday. So we'll have coverage for you guys live on the ground down there in Dallas, locked on Cougars on the road, as it were. Uh, So get ready for that. And looking forward to talking more with players and coaches about, especially in BYU's case of being where they were slotted in the preseason polls. And, of course, we'll make sure to break that down for you guys Uh, like I said, with live reaction from Dallas all week long uh, down there in Arlington and AT&T Stadium. All right, coming up here in just a minute We we'll Flip Over, it is your guys' time to drive the show this week. It is the mailbag answering your questions. There's some good ones this week. I've got some interesting uh, responses uh, teed up as well. We'll get to all of that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, first, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. If you want to take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball this summer, do it with FanDuel. and Get 10 times back your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. You heard that right, my friends? That's right. Just bet $20. and you will land $200 back in bonus bets. Win or lose. That's $200 you can spend on betting everything from the money line over unders. Uh, you think a guy's going to hit the home run in the game or get the big strikeout? Whatever you're looking to bet on, they've got it for you with our friends at FanDuel. and It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And plus, when you win, you can get paid out instantly from our friends at FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com to get up to that $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com to get started today. That's FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine. Thank you for being every day dayers with us here on the podcast. I uh, Hope you guys are all doing well. Uh, coming up on our Monday edition of the podcast, uh, we're going to look ahead to Big 12 Media Days. Some of my thoughts as I uh, get ready to make the trek uh, down there to the inaugural Big 12 Media Days for the BYU football program. Cannot wait to be down there covering it as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll have a number of our hosts who will be on hand as well. Looking forward to that. And, of course, like I said, full coverage of that uh, throughout the coming week. And, obviously, we'll have interviews. And the like for you guys as well. All right, your guys' time to shine. As I mentioned, it's time for you the mailbag. Uh, we'll start off with this. Our good friend Mojo, of course, an Air Force pilot uh, serving our, our our nation here in the United States of America. Thank you for your service once again, Mojo. Yes, this. Do you expect BYU recruiting to significantly expand in the Big Twelve footprint? I feel like it gets mentioned a lot in passing, but I'd like I'd be interested to get your professional opinion. In a word. Yes, uh, BYU is already branching out. They're recruiting heavier in Texas. Uh, Kelly Papinha came on my radio show, DJ and PK, and said that Atlanta is a place that he plans to mine uh, very actively for BYU, even though it's not necessarily uh, a, a big 12 footprint. He says Atlanta is one of the places where you can just find talent from all over. It's just it's a, it's a focal point of recruiting. He says we're going to expand there. We're seeing offers go out in Florida and I'm sure you'll continue to see more offers go out in the Midwest and out on the East Coast, Eastern Seaboard, because BYU has a bigger reach now as a Power 5 member. So, yes, they are absolutely going to expand. Now, will they do it that at the expense of neglecting the West Coast and especially their home base here in the state of Utah? No, they absolutely will not uh, hurt themselves at home, quote-unquote, uh, to go out and expand that footprint in the Big 12. But you can't fully expect them. They're already doing it in Texas in particular in terms of throwing out more offers, making more um, – I, I, how do I say this correctly? They're just making more inroads. That's what it is. Inroads into recruiting in that footprint. And they will benefit from it. Absolutely. Playing those games is going to get them in front of these young men's eyeballs. Obviously, seeing them with their own eyes, or watching them on TV. It's going to give BYU an opportunity to recruit heavier there. Uh, next one. Dan here. Our good friend over at the Hive Sports. Uh, of course, Dan, uh, the U- USU uh USU, the right blue. That's what it is, Dan. Have you heard about Eric Mika's new podcast he is starting this month? He talked with us briefly on our podcast, Speaking of the Hive. It's about athletes and their plans after their sports career is done. Yes, I am planning on catching up with Eric at some point here in the relatively near future to talk about this very thing. So, yes, uh, we will be talking about that, Dan. would encourage everybody, if you want some more lowdown on that, check out the Hive. They have a great conversation with Eric Mika that's available now wherever you get your podcasts. How about that for a plug there, Dan? All right, next one. Nick Lee, our good friend, of course, uh, occasional host of Locked On Seahawks up in the Northwest, says, what is your drink vice? I need energy drinks sometimes. My favorite is a candy apple crisp bang. However, I don't find any energy drinks when watching BYU football. It gets the heart going just fine without it. Well, I think most BYU fans can tell you that, yes, uh, for the most part, BYU will get your heart racing in and of itself. I, I by and large, am not a huge fan of energy drinks. I will every so often, if uh, I'm making a long road trip or something like that, I'll take a Red Bull along with me. One of those sugar-free Red Bulls. I actually don't mind those at all. Uh, But I don't do energy drinks that much. Uh, My vice, though, in terms of my drink of choice, quote unquote, uh, probably Dr Pepper. I'm a big Dr Pepper fan, and I always have been from a young child. uh, From from my earliest years growing up uh, there was actually a long period of my life high school through like my middle 20s where i like didn't drink soda i had a high school football coach who said don't do it so i said sir yes sir and i just did not i cut it out i didn't drink it forever but at the same time uh i am a big dr pepper fan and uh, yeah it's probably my that's probably my drink of choice but hey i've heard good things about bang and candy apple crisp that sounds like quite the flavor there our good friend nick all right next one coming in josh war our good friend and by the way josh um Funny story. I, uh, Josh makes really cool cutouts of BYU logos out of wood. And obviously, uh, love what he's doing. And he was kind enough to send us a a Sailor Cougar head. Now, Josh, I've been meaning to tell you about this. I'll just do this live on air. Let's do this right now. Uh, So I got a message the other day from a neighbor of mine. uh, said, hey, uh, I think I got a package of yours. There's a BYU logo. It's like made out of wood here. uh, And it got delivered to our house, but it's got your address on it. And I said, yeah, that's mine. It's a friend of mine. Obviously, he sent it over to me. So, uh, Josh, I now have it in my possession. I am looking, I'm working on getting it set up here in the studio. As many of you uh, probably can see on YouTube here, I uh, got a new backdrop out there. Well, you can expect to see that at some point here in the relatively near future from a good friend, Josh. And uh, I apologize, Josh, you probably got to that person's house a while ago and they just, uh, failed to really inform me. So, Thank you all the same and looking forward uh, to uh, getting that up on the wall. And obviously I'll be showing it off ASAP as soon as I possibly get it uh, hung up. All right, next one. A good friend, uh, Claymore Hardman. at Claymore Hardman on Twitter says, Can you give a rundown of Keaton Slovis' injury history in college? Are there any particular injury concerns going forward? Now, what I understand about Keaton Slovis' injury history is mainly to do with his throwing shoulder. He suffered a pretty significant throwing shoulder injury during his time at USC. It cost him an entire year. Had to have a reconstructive sur- surgery on that labrum, which is always a concern when it's your throwing shoulder. Uh, that goes for a pitcher in baseball. It's a quarterback. Athletes that have to throw the ball. When you have to have that labrum or anything in that shoulder repaired, there's the concern of, okay, uh, A, is it going to return to what it was before? B, is there going to be any complications with that? Will it uh, lose arm strength? Could it be an arthritic condition that could eventually pop up? There's so many different things that go with it, but everything I have heard with regards to that injury for Keaton is since then, he's actually had very few ill effects from that injury. So, I'm not saying that I, I know anything for certain with regards to Keaton Slovis' injuries, but it sounds like everything is about as good as it possibly can be. Like I said, that's a major surgery, especially for a quarterback in your throwing shoulder. You, that We hear about quarterbacks all the time, so I'm, I'm a lefty, so if my left shoulder were to get torn up, I'd be in trouble, but most quarterbacks are righties. Well, you hear about guys sometimes that'll play games with a separated left shoulder, or frankly a dislocated left shoulder, but they can do that because you can kind of tape that up and uh, cradle it against your body while still throwing the rock with your throwing arm. When it's your throwing shoulder, that's another concern, but that's really the only major one that I, that I am aware of with regards to Keaton Slovis, but uh, I asked him at spring ball, I recall saying, hey, health-wise, how are you feeling? He said, I'm feeling good. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, Obviously he could be blowing smoke up our skirts, obviously, and uh, telling us one thing while he's struggling behind the scenes, but he showed a live arm in in practices during spring camp. And the hope is that carries over because he is, he is known most notably for his deep ball, the accuracy, and the ability to flick it down the field and BYU absolutely loves those deep shots. So, I would expect if his shoulder is as good as advertised, he'll be able to show that early on this season for BYU, and they will need it. They, they need a guy who can deliver accurate passes downfield on time to these wide receivers because it's a big part of BYU's offense. They will dink and dunk you for a time, but Aaron Roderick, it's just part of his philosophy. He loves taking shots down the field and would love nothing more than to have a quarterback like Keaton Slovis with a, a big arm deliver that ball 30, 40 yards downfield and really gash defenses as much as possible. Well, this season for the Cougars. All right, next one. Royal Blue Sawara, our good friend, Josh Glenn, down there in Arizona. Josh, hope you're staying cool. It sounds like it's absolutely blazing down there in uh, Arizona. It's pretty warm here in the state of Utah. But he says this, do you think BYU would consider reducing capacity at the Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Oh, excuse me. Uh, sorry, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Excuse me, not the Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I should call that the Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Excuse me. But he says, would you uh, consider reducing capacity at LES to improve the stadium? How important would holding the top spot in stadium size for BYU you really matter in your opinion. Uh, here's the thing: I think that they should consider reducing capacity simply put to put more chairbacks into the stadium. Yes, that takes the number of seats away. That takes away paying customers from the program. But for comfort's sake keep the student section benches because the students want to stand. They want to do their thing. But the rest of it, you should convert as much of that to chair backs as you possibly can, in my personal opinion. Now, my opinion matters for zero, literally zero. Trust me, I've got no say with regards to how BYU runs their athletic department even though I would love nothing more than to be a BYU AD for a day and that would be like one of the things I would sign still and deliver and be like bang we are going to uh, put all chairbacks outside of the student section in Lavelle Edwards Stadium that probably dropped the capacity I would imagine from what is it 61 and change right now it probably into the mid 50s in terms of overall uh, uh, attendance and that would drop them I think behind Iowa State I think Jack Trice Stadium uh, has got somewhere in the high 50s in terms of, uh, of its uh, uh, what I'm saying the seating capacity capacity, but. I don't think it necessarily matters that BYU has the biggest, uh, I guess, number of seats in the conference after Texas and Oklahoma leave. I don't think that necessarily does a ton for you. The home field advantage is still going to be there for BYU. They're still going to have rabid BYU fans who are going to be getting on them. Keaton Slovis, there's that famous quote of him saying, they were the meanest sober crowd I'd ever experienced in my life because BYU, by and large, a lot of the people there are are teetotaling Mormons, uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they're not drinking. But That's the thing about this. I think you could still very much have that that home atmosphere that just makes opponents intimidated, but still only maybe have yeah fifty five thousand people in the stands, but having chairbacks that make things infinitely as and trust me, I'm speaking as a media member who sits in a press box where it's air conditioned or heated depending on what time of year it is. So I. I I freely admit, I got a cushy gig, folks. I, I got no problem admitting that. But the thing about it is, I would encourage BYU to consider putting as many chairbacks as possible. They did it at the Marriott Center. They lowered capacity at the Marriott Center to put those chairbacks in and make wider seats to make it more comfortable and make it uh, feel better for you as a fan to sit there and watch games at the Marriott Center to watch BYU basketball. Why can't they do that for Lavelle Edwards Stadium? I, 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 I haven't gotten a straight answer ever on that, nor have I really uh, dug too deep into it. But maybe that's something I should look, follow up on, Josh. Maybe I should dig into that a little bit more. All right, a final question on today's. I actually got two more questions. Uh, Big Uncle Pooh, our good friend over there, of course, the mayor of tailgating at BYU. I love you, Adrian. Hope you're doing well, my friend. Says, what are some of the things that you see from fans on social media that drive you nuts? Or things they say that you know they're regurgitating what they heard and know nothing? Uh, well, that's number two. That sometimes it's people that regurgitate information as if um, – they know it's their information, but you know exactly where it came from in certain certain circumstances. It's something that I said that they're essentially sending right back to me. It's happened before, and I don't take offense to that. I actually appreciate them uh, obviously consuming the information and that type of stuff. The bigger thing for me with fans on social media – is that uh, they get a little too emotional and tagging people in tweets. That's the thing about this is these guys, I'm talking about young men, players, coaches, that type of stuff, the guys involved with the actual outcome of these games, the coaches, the players, the administrators, when you're tagging them on Twitter and just ragging on them, it, 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 It rubs me the wrong way. It just doesn't do it for me. Now, am I going to tell anybody exactly how they should go about and be a fan? No, I'm not going to do that. But that's one thing that bugs me. Another thing that bugs me, it's a related question here. I got it via email. Uh, I'll pull it up right here. Uh, It came in via Ethan. Ethan asked this, Jake, I saw on Cougar Board, and many of you know my my history with Cougar Board. I'm not a huge fan of it. But he said this, uh, you've talked about uh, the Give Him Hell Brigham podcast, The Daily Dose with Josh, uh, not Josh, uh, with Jeff Hansen. Uh, recruit 10 uh, I've seen that his video gets posted on cougar board have you ever considered having your videos posted at cougarboard now I did not know that uh, that stuff, type of stuff has happened I know that there I've had people tell me that news gets posted like articles and that type of stuff I didn't know that not know that cougar board is allowing video uh, submissions to cougar board now I rarely have ever personally venture over to cougar board it's just something that i've avoided and uh, maybe i should just get over myself and get on cougar board and uh promote the podcast a little heavier I'm, i've considered that i just I haven't uh, broken down and done it yet maybe i should but it's kind of related to you Pooh. I, I i don't like ex- to your question poo i i don't like exposing myself to unwarranted criticism that can happen at times and trust me i've had people send me stuff from cougar board that is pretty vitriolic and uh, frankly i i I don't want to associate with. It has come at me and the podcast in the past. So, like I said, I think there's two sides to this. Should I get over myself in a way and get over to Cougar Board to help build my audience? Yeah, probably. I probably should just suck it up and wander on over there. And by the way, if any of you have any say with Cougar Board, I don't know if any of you do. And you can get this podcast where every day I post it and it gets posted on there on the new, on the on their news, on the news board, the the message board where I can uh, attract maybe some more viewers slash listeners. I'd be happy to accept that help. Trust me. I'm all about expanding my audience, but at the same time, like I said, I I, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm having people come after me and trust me, I'm human. We're all human. We don't like being criticized. And I've had some people send me some screenshots of stuff from Cougar Board in the past that has been, like I said, fairly mean-spirited at times and downright vitriolic other times that I'm like, you know what? I'd be hard pressed if I was actually on Cougar Board not to fire back some pithy uh, response that would probably give me a bad, give them a bad impression of myself. So <laughs> it's kind of a it's a long convoluted answer to a pretty simple question, but I don't know how to necessarily tell you how to fan, nor do I aspire to tell you, hey, this is how you should operate as a fan, but. Let's be careful and cognizant of who they are. They're human beings, speaking of these athletes, the players, the coaches, the the administrators at BYU in this circumstance, just like us. We all get our feelings hurt. Nobody feels worse than those athletes, the coaches, and the administrators after BYU loses a game. They don't need people piling on them. I don't need people piling on when I make a gaffe with this podcast. Trust me, I have enough gaffes that I beat myself up over on a day-to-day basis, not even just involving the podcast, on everything as a husband, as a father, as a media professional doing sports radio. I got a ton of things going on at one time that I fail in so many circumstances that I'm, I'm I'm already beating myself up uh, in a way uh, to like, uh, we all do this. We all do this. We're all our own uh, biggest critic. So, I guess the the easiest way to say it is let's all try to be a little more understanding, kind, have a little more charity towards each other out there on the internet. It's way too easy to be a keyboard warrior. Uh, it, trust me. I, I, I see it all the time. Had a guy just the other day, I work with Patrick Kinnahan and PK, he's a lightning rod. He, that's what his job is. Had a guy say that he was the worst writer and media personality in the entire Utah sports media market. And, that a little uncalled for there honestly cuz why would you say that why in the world would you type that out there why why would you what is, what purpose does that serve that so i'm getting off on a tangent here but i, I just look at it and say you know what to adrian's question sometimes just the, the way the fans just fire away at these players and coaches remember they're human beings too and would you if you were the roles were reversed do you want them ripping on you as hard as you're ripping on them That's the question I've got. So, like I said, to Ethan's question as well, I didn't know that video submissions were available at the Cougar Board. I know they did it for a little while. A couple of you actually helped me out with that for a time, and they kind of took away the ability to submit news on the message board. But if you have an in and and can help build the audience via uh, promoting it on that website, I'd be happy to maybe get over myself and get over on the website. But at the same time, I'm just a little bit hesitant to do it also. So, I don't know. Uh, Hopefully that... That makes some sense in my head as I've been talking about it. I'm just like I probably make zero sense to anybody out there, but nonetheless, let's just like I said, let's all just try and be a little kinder to one to one another because there's way too much, uh, like I said, keyboard warrior stuff going on out there. Let's try and be a little more, I guess just embrace each other and let's, let's just be a little nicer to one another as well. All right. Uh, coming up here in just a minute, I need to talk about, I'm going to go with the three game uh, sample size in the 2019 season. Kind of going game by game for the first few games of the 2019 season, but the three games I'm going to talk about next. And you see it on the rundown here. If you're watching this on YouTube injuries, that's the big key in these three games. That's why I kind of piled them all together because they had very big injuries in all three of them that affected BYU's uh, overall record in 2019. 2019 and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. First a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes is Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs no matter where you're at, by the way, in any stage of life, my friends, uh, Perry Homes wants to be the answer for you as your home builder. They've got beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, and uh, Twila and Utah counties along the Wasatch Front. They also have multiple Communities in Washington County near St. George, if you want to live down in the southern end of the state. The best part is they offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers, I should say, to two stories to townhomes and anything in between to help fit your needs. Once again, and they're also offering generous financing incentives to their preferred lender right now as well. So get over to PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com with a P. Let me be clear about that PerryHomesUtah.com. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home. That's kabotaorangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. If you've not done so already, please uh, continue to uh, enter to win at Jaron Hall Signed Football, as well as other BYU football swag. All you got to do is send us a screenshot of you you being subscribed, both on YouTube or wherever else you get the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, or a myriad of other podcast providers. But the number one thing is make sure you subscribe on YouTube, even if you don't ever want to watch me on video, and nor should you, because trust me, I'm not all that fun when it comes to video. I'm just here about delivering information. But nonetheless, uh, enter to win at Jaron Hall Football as the grand prize. Other BYU swag will be, uh, of course, uh, willing to give out to you guys and the way to enter once again lo- uh, email us locked on byu at gmail.com is the email address and obviously uh, let us know that you're subscribed via screenshot and you are entered to win it's simple as that alright we'll do that by the way that giveaway coming up uh, as BYU gets uh, training camp underway in early August so you got just over a month to get, in, to get entered to win I would encourage you to do that right now if you don't mind alright uh, so looking back in 2019 for BYU obviously Two absolutely thrilling wins for BYU after they beat uh, both t- Tennessee and USC in overtime. And uh, the Cougars are riding pretty high, but then in, in week four of the season, they welcomed their fourth straight Power Five opponent to Provo, speaking of the Washington Huskies. Now, the Huskies came into this game 2 and 1 on the season, ranked number 22 in the country. Jacob Easton was uh, at the top of his power, at, at the Height of his powers, I should say, as a quarterback, a very talented player. And BYU started this game okay. Washington did race out to a twenty-one to three lead at the end of the first quarter, but then BYU I got like just an absolute devastating blow to their chances when maybe you will recall Tyson Williams running downfield and a Washington defender. It was not malicious at all; just it was a hit from the side. His knee buckles and he tears his ACL and he's done for the year. He, the BYU loses their running back they had brought in. A guy like Tyson Williams was coming in to uh, make good on a, a bet on himself as a grad transfer from South Carolina. He was off to a phenomenal start for BYU. But then he tears that knee and just absolutely uh, it devastated BYU. They ended up losing this game 45-19, to dropped them to 2-2 two and two on the season. And uh, they obviously were reeling a little bit after that one, losing a guy like Tyson Williams. The following week, uh, they went to Toledo. Now, many of you recall going out to the glass bowl out there. The thought was okay, Toledo's okay, but they should BYU should be able to get back into the wind column here. Well, in this game, as you many, many of you might recall, there was an interception that Zach Wilson threw, ill-advised interception, and then to make matters worse, he goes to try and make the tackle, ends up breaking the thumb on his throwing hand. So therefore, Zach is shelved for a number of weeks after losing Tyson Williams for the entire season the week previous to this. So now BYU's two and three, and things have just compounded at that point. Now, a really cool note did come out of the next game as BYU made a trip to USF to take on the USF Bulls. Jaron Hall ended up becoming the first African-American quarterback to start a game in BYU football history. Of course, history being made, but unfortunately, he takes a shot, lands on the back of his head down there at Raymond James Stadium, suffers a concussion in that game, which cost him some time as well. Are you noticing a trend of these three games? Because BYU lost that one 27-23, and it was a close game. BYU had their chances in this one, but had Jaron Hall stayed healthy, I feel like they would probably would have won that USF game and would have stabilized them at 3-3. Three and three. But instead, they lose that game 27-23 to uh, with Baylor Romney, the little-known quarterback uh, from the Mexican colonies down there in Arizona. He comes in to be BYU's quarterback the rest of the way in this game, and then he ultimately would uh, make his first career start in a game uh, that BYU would play the following week against Boise State and well uh, before we talk about that we'll talk about that tomorrow but I look back at these three games and think about that you lose your starting running back for the year to an ACL then you lose your stud quarterback who you're betting on leading you to glory that year to a broken thumb which really if you look at the rest of the history of the of the season we'll talk about this in coming days that thumb Cost BYU big time the rest of the season because it never fully healed until the offseason. He actually kind of rushed back, maybe before he should have, speaking of Zach Wilson. Then Jaron Hall comes out and looked very, very good, looked very, very effective as a dual threat quarterback, kind of a, an early preview of what he would become down the road for the BYU football program. But then you lose him in that game to USF, and suddenly. In many ways, it feels like dire straits for BYU. Are they going to repeat what they had in 2017 just two years ago when they sunk to that 4-9 and record? They're 2-4. and four. Can they get back to bowl eligibility? They got to the bowl the year before, but what are they doing right now? And they have lost three high-level players in three straight weeks. And what was, it, what was it going to take for BYU to get back into the win column? Well, it might have been some rain and uh, some Baylor-Romney magic, and we'll talk about that on our next edition of Locked On Cougars coming up on Monday. So there you go. You guys are up to speed on everything here on a Friday edition of the podcast. Thank you to all of you who submitted the questions. Like I said, hopefully I made some sense answering those questions. At the same time, I think BYU very much in a very advantageous position at number 11 in that preseason poll in the Big 12. Off to Dallas next week. Cannot wait to get down there. If you are in the Dallas area, and would love to meet up. I would love nothing more. Got some downtime around media days. I'd love to meet up with you guys. Say hi, maybe grab a bite to eat and talk some BYU football. I uh, would love to have you reach out if you happen to be down there in the Fort Worth, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We'd love to meet up. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it. A big thank you to all of you for your support every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you once again for making uh, us, your being every, or not making us, but being every dayers with us here on the podcast. And until next time, have a great rest of your day and a great weekend. My friends, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.